Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. This week, I have a question from Frank, and they say, on March 21st, I woke up with restricted breathing and a cough. I was sent to an ER by my care provider where I was refused testing and a breathing treatment. I then went to a COVID-19 pop-up clinic where I was told to go back to the ER that refused me testing and treatment. All day, while I was sick and having difficulty breathing, I was trying to navigate a system that felt like it was not equipped to help me. I felt extremely confused and isolated about how to keep people around me safe. I live in a community with nine people, as well as myself safe, and took it upon myself to self-quarantine in a hotel where I am still currently in quarantine. Over the next few days, my breathing and cough got worse and I began to cough up blood. The refusal of treatment and testing, as well as the way in which COVID-19 is being downplayed in the media among young, healthy people, kept me from seeking more medical attention. The process of navigating how to care and advocate for myself has been very confusing and isolating. So my question in regards to navigating the system in place for COVID-19 is what insight do you have for people who are positive with COVID-19 and are attempting to navigate our governmental and healthcare systems while being sick? How do we stay connected to our inner resources, continue to advocate for ourselves and maintain hope when people like myself are not being heard and being refused medical care? In regards to my personal birth chart, is there a spiritual lesson for me through this whole process of having COVID-19. I believe my Saturn return will begin next year, but I'm curious if this lesson could be somehow tied into my Saturn return. I've since found a care provider who said that they would see me, and I have been confirmed for having COVID-19, and I'm healing well. Thank you for giving me this platform to share my story. I know that it's only one of many, and I want people to know that they are not alone, Frank. And Frank was born on May 15th, 1994 at 2.50 a.m. in Anchorage, Alaska. Frank, I am so sorry that you're going through this, and it just sounds fucking awful. So I'm, I am really sorry. And reading your question was really, I guess, maybe humbling for me because you're right. I'm not reading very much about people as young as you. You're in your mid-20s. Uh, people as young as you having it. And when we hear about people not having severe or serious cases— in the medical context of COVID-19, what that means is people who are not on ventilators and dying. But coughing up blood sounds pretty fucking serious to me. So I'm so sorry you're going through this. It's really awful. But I do thank you for reaching out and sharing your story because I think it's really important for all of us to be sharing our stories right now, especially people who are sick and kind of know what's happening. You know, last week on the podcast in episode 92, I answered a question for a healthcare provider who is completely besieged with COVID-19 cases. And if we're being honest, in the United States, our healthcare system wasn't great to begin with, right? It was already an overwhelmed system. And I'm not talking about the healthcare workers themselves. I'm talking about the structure of the system in place to both support patients and healthcare workers. That system is not doing great. And it was not doing great before COVID-19. And so part of your question, Frank, is around how to navigate the system when sick. And there isn't a good answer for that. I'm really sorry to say. And there wasn't a good answer for that before COVID-19. And again, I want to reiterate, I am not in any way criticizing healthcare workers. 
This is about the system itself. And it's really important in general, and certainly at this time, to be able to differentiate between systemic issues and individual issues. So in regards to this part of your question, asking for help is a really good idea. It sounds like you were lucky enough to be able to self-quarantine in a hotel. What a privilege, and I'm so grateful that you have that privilege, not just for yourself, but it has like a trickle-down effect on your community. It's a really great thing. So I'm, I'm glad for you that you have at least that much. If you have access to people who can make phone calls for you, even if you could be on the phone with your most effective communicator friend or family member, and maybe you could be on a conference call with them so that you can like hop in and correct if they say something wrong or they don't advocate for you or if you need to be on the call. But asking people to help you is not a bad idea. And if you yourself are listening to this and you have someone in your life who is sick, know that they have a million things to do to manage their care. And if you can offer to hop on a call, write an email, help them sort through information, that would be really helpful. That's one strategy. Another strategy is understanding that the healthcare workers that you are talking to, the people on the phone, the nurses, the doctors, they are besieged. They do not know how to respond to the overwhelming demand for their services. And this is kind of an impossible situation. So having some measure of patience is really valuable, but also as much as possible being really clear and to the point about what your symptoms are and what your ask is, is really useful at this time. The healthcare workers that you need help from, in some ways, need help from you because they are overwhelmed. And the onus should not be on you to have to do that. If you're sick, the onus should not have to be on you. But unfortunately, this is where we are. And so that is one way you can try to take care of yourself and ask other people to help you to figure out what is like the easiest, most direct way of saying your symptoms, you know, asking your friends or family members to help you bullet point what your symptoms are, what your timeline is, that kind of a thing, what your ask is. Having a clear ask is really helpful. Having a simple and direct way of communicating what's happening for you is really helpful because it makes it so that the healthcare providers have less to do for you that is non-essential and they can put more of their energy towards what is essential. That all said, I don't know the answer. I don't think there is an answer. And unfortunately, it's a perfect storm. So I'm, I am really sorry. You have all of my empathy and compassion for having to navigate it. But what I can speak to is your birth chart, your personal birth chart and your lessons associated with what is happening at this time. Because, of course, there is a spiritual lesson for you through this whole process of getting COVID-19. And I want to start off by saying it has nothing to do with your Saturn return. It's something that happens at 29 or approximately 29 years old. You're not going to feel it for a long time because we are at zero degrees out of 30 of Aquarius. Saturn is in Aquarius. In fact, it's going to retrograde back to Capricorn at some point in the year. You have Saturn in Pisces at 11 degrees of Pisces. So you're not going to even be in the phase of development building towards your Saturn return until Saturn has been in Pisces for quite some time. Get Saturn out of your mind. Nothing to do with it. But there are many other things happening in your birth chart. One is you are going through a Pluto square to Mars. Now, Pluto square to Mars is a two-year transit. All transits from Pluto last two years, give or take. 
And in your birth chart, you have Mars as the focal planet to a T-square between the moon. So that means you have Mars square to the moon, but Mars is also squared in Neptune and Uranus. Having Pluto hit the focal planet of a T-square is a very big deal. It's a once-in-a-lifetime event, and it confronts you with some of your deepest shit. And in astrology, Mars is related to the body, your vitality. And unfortunately, having Pluto form a square to it can confront you with the limitations of your vitality. And this is not a long-term forever thing, but I would because of this, recommend, and I'm not a doctor and you should never take medical advice from an astrologer, but I would recommend that you are very conservative with your energy because I would imagine that you're quite drained even as you're on the upswing that this is taking quite a bit from you. And as much as possible, I would encourage you to allow yourself to indulge rest. And this is not easy for someone with Mars as a focal planet of a T-square or anyone with Mars and Aries, which is what you've got because it inclines you to want to go and do and go and do and fix and go and fix and do. But this is not the time for that. This is the time for letting go. And not letting go of care for your body, not letting go of your will to be healthy and well, to recover, but letting go of your drive to control where you're at and what it looks like. And instead, finding more of a spiritual motivation. Now, the reason why I say spiritual is because at the same time that Pluto is forming a square to your natal Mars, it is sitting right on top of your Neptune and very close to your Uranus. And so this transit, again, it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime event. It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime event, and it's really deep. And it's confronting you with something that is very intimate to you, which is a feeling of being isolated, a feeling of being different, a feeling of being out of control. Having Neptune and Uranus conjunct in the first house, quite close to your ascendant, indicates that those are feelings you grapple with anyways. So having Pluto sit on top of those planets and form a square to Mars, it's just creating this terrible experience where you actually are alone and you actually are different and you actually have to cope with that. And it is really spiritually hard for you. And I want to just validate that this is real, and I want to validate that there's a bigger picture of why this is happening. This is an opportunity for you to give yourself permission to really get to know yourself, to investigate and explore your spiritual wellness, to look at your relationship to proving yourself to others, but mainly to yourself. You are allowed to have any emotions you have. You are allowed to be angry, to feel resentment or irritability, to feel agitated. You're allowed to feel whatever upset feelings you have. However, because you're sick and because you're alone, you're kind of in a position where there's no clear outlet for it. And so unfortunately, the one thing left to you is going woo. And I only say unfortunately because it's hard. Because when people think about, you know, being present or doing energy work, it looks on the surface so passive. So it looks like it should be easy, but it's very difficult to bring all of your energy into your body, especially when your body is suffering, and to activate from that place. And so what your chart is trying to get you to do is to activate your visceral experience of your spirituality. And what that looks like is giving yourself permission to experience and release emotion, 
to experience and release energy. Now, the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction that's happening this week, listen to the horoscope section to hear more about it and what it means for everyone, but it's happening right on your Neptune-Uranus conjunction, and it is forming a square to your natal Mars. And so you are part of the collective. Your ability to navigate the system in a healthy way, it is part of the collective. You know, your individual story is very much a part of the whole. This is really important for me to tell you because that feeling of being alone and isolated, it's so upsetting for you. And it touches in on old fears, deep old fears. But you are a part of all of it. Your ability to protect your community is a part of it. Your ability to communicate your story is a part of it. Your ability to navigate the system is a part of it. And when I look at what's going to come of this for you, I don't know. I don't think anyone can know what's going to come of this for you, but this will change you. It will change your capacity for empathy for others and yourself. It will change your willingness to care for yourself, and it can change in a meaningful and powerful way your relationship to anger, your relationship to self-preservation. But you need to be willing to do the work, and part of that is sitting with fear, and part of that is sitting with anger. I think you can do this. I think you are doing this. But man, it's hard. It's really difficult. If you have a capacity to meditate, if you have the capacity to really get into woo, I urge you to experiment and explore to see what actually makes you feel better, what makes you feel annoyed. If something annoys you, to explore why it annoys you instead of being like, it annoys me because that person on YouTube that like walked me through a guided meditation is stupid or is annoying. Actually explore like, well, what, what about that person seemed annoying to me? And what does that say to me about me? Not so you can change your mind, not so you can not listen to your instincts, but so you can explore the difference between a psychological response and an instinctual response, an emotional response, and an energetic or intuitive response. Because the subtleties between these things are hard to track in busy life. And right now, life is not busy. Life has slowed the fuck down for you. Something else worth naming is that you are going through uh, Pluto trying to the sun. And this transit is really worth mentioning because it indicates a full recovery. It indicates vitality and strength and resiliency. I, again, cannot medically diagnose you in any way, shape, or form. I'm not just saying that. I really cannot. I want to urge you to be very conservative with your recovery and with your medical, mental, and emotional care, right? But I think you're going to do that. You know, I think you have the resources to do it. I think you have the foresight that it needs to be done. And by doing that, you're going to access parts of yourself and your growth that are really meaningful and valuable to you. They really are. My dear, I wish you health and wellness and a speedy recovery. It does sound like you're on the way to getting well. And I'm really grateful that you shared your story. and. Maybe you'll even choose to share it in different ways, in more ways moving forward. Take really good care. It's another week in paradise, am I right? Okay, this week we are going to look at the horoscope for March 29th through April 4th of 2020. And this is kind of, I mean, unsurprisingly, a big looking week astrologically. But I want to just start off by saying a couple things. The first one, 
Anyone who subscribes to the podcast will have noticed that last week I did not drop one episode. I dropped two. That's right. Ghost of a Podcast is coming to you twice a week. Now moving forward through this crazy, crazy time we're living through. So I'm dropping my regular episode on Sunday where I give you your weekly horoscope and answer a listener question. And then on Wednesdays, I'm going to be dropping an additional episode where I really just focus on unpacking and essentially teaching you an astrological theme or topic. This past week, it was Saturn. Yeah, that's right. Saturn. Saturn, that old devil. A lot of you asked me questions about. And so I dropped a full episode on it. And also, if you haven't already heard last week's regular episode is episode number 92. I think it was a really important one because in it, Chiron features heavily. So if you haven't heard either of those, or for shame, both of those episodes, number 92 and number 93, please go back and listen because there's hella good information there. And, you know, like I said, if you want to stay up to date with the podcast, please do subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts because then it'll just give you a little alert when I drop a new thing. And you know you want an alert when I drop a new thing. And, you know, as always, send me your questions for the podcast at ghostofapodcast.com. The link is in show notes. So let's go straight into the horoscope, shall we? The first major transit this week is on the 31st of March, and it is a Mars conjunction to Saturn. Now, you're going to feel it a couple few days leading up and then a couple few days afterwards. So it's a kind of really meaningful transit throughout the week. Mars conjunction to Saturn, I'm not going to lie to you, it's poorly timed. You know, universe, maybe it's perfectly timed. It makes perfect sense for what we're going through. You'll see what I mean in a moment. Mars in astrology is motion, it's action, it's competition, it's moving forward, it's getting outside and making things happen. Mars in astrology is the planet that governs irritability and fighting and the ego. It's also the body itself. Saturn is restriction. It's have a damn seat and think about what you've done. It's consequences. It's responsibility. It's the planet that we look to for calcification, for freezing, for being stuck. When Mars and Saturn meet in the sign of Capricorn, it kind of feels like road rage. It's like you're stuck in traffic. You can't blame anyone and there's nothing you can do to change it. You just have to deal with feeling stuck and staying in place. Many of us have been shelter in place or quarantined for a couple weeks now. More and more people are starting to see the need to shelter in place or self-isolate and limit their field of motion. So that frustration, that sense of being trapped, is very real. And it is likely to be felt viscerally. And not just by you, but by every person on the internet, every person at the grocery store, every person at the hospital, the healthcare providers, the service providers. There are many people who perform essential services that are still out there doing tons of work for you and me and the functioning of society. And unfortunately, this transit impacts every single one of us. Aside from everything else, if you are out in the world, and somebody is providing a service for you, if you're leaning on somebody as, let's say, I don't know, like sharing an aisle in a supermarket, be nice. <laughs> be nice. And I say that because you're tempted not to want to be around this transit. This particular transit, it brings up 
irritability and frustration. And that frustration is really around like, why can't I just do what I want to do? Why can't I just move? It really can make you feel like a seething form of anger. Now, unfortunately, there's not an easy outlet under this transit. There's not an easy answer. So if you orient yourself to be interested in your own ego and not so focused on what other people are or aren't doing, because people are inevitably going to be pretty annoying around this day, but you're people, so you're going to be annoying too. What you really want to do is look at your relationship to anger and agitation and compromise and really take responsibility for how you feel, how you experience your feelings, and how you express your experience. This is difficult. Mars conjunction to Saturn, you've heard me talk about it before on the podcast, but these exceptional circumstances that we're living through with a global pandemic, with economic restrictions that are terrifying. You know, so many people, so many people are terrified about being able to pay rent, buy food, especially with these insane food shortages brought on by people's fear-based shopping. Some people's greed, mainly people's fear. We're all experiencing a greater lack, restriction, or scarcity than we're used to. Even the most wealthy amongst us are experiencing greater lack and restriction than they are used to. What is really important to know is that around this date, we are likely to see people acting out in response to it. You know, when we're looking at corporations and governments, because in a capitalist society, when a corporation is big enough, it has similar power, right, in shaping society and influencing people's lives, massive people's lives. When we look at how they are going to act or react in response to externally imposed restrictions, Saturn, Hey man, TBD, I don't know what's going to happen, but I expect that it's going to have long-term implications to society. So understand that you are experiencing what you're experiencing in your personal life and it's personal to you. However, it's not exclusive to you. We are in this together as so much of a global society, as so much of a local society. And this transit is likely to confront you with what you can't do, where you can't go, what you don't have. And that's human. I'm not going to tell you to focus only on what you can do and like what's positive. I, I think there's a value in that, but it's not realistic and it's not resonant every day or every hour of the day. So if you find yourself confronted around this state with scarcity, Instead of reacting to it without consideration, my advice to you is to really get into it consciously and allow yourself to notice what is getting triggered. What is getting triggered from maybe your childhood, maybe from inherited issues from your parents' childhood. What is getting triggered in relationship to your control issues, to your sense of entitlement. If you can foster greater self-understanding not only are you going to make better use of this transit, but you'll be better prepared to deal with other transits to and from Saturn, to and from Mars. And that is really valuable. However, that's not all. How could that be all? No, that wouldn't be it. There's also this. On the third, we have Venus moving into Gemini and a Mercury conjunction to Neptune. Venus moving into Gemini, there's not too much to say about it, honestly, in the context of everything else that's happening. I just don't think you're going to really notice it. It's not going to change your life in some sort of meaningful way. That said, it is a lovely transit for communicating, socializing digitally. So, you know, texting, DMing, 
a little bit of video chat. If you're an artist or a writer, this is great for just putting pen to paper. It's great for words. It's a nice, it's a nice transit. But in the context of all this other shit, I don't know that you're really going to care. T B Ash. But if you're a creative type, if you're a really social person, seize on this energy by reaching out to people, communicating more, communicating differently. Now, Mercury conjunction to Neptune. What a fucking bummer. I'm sorry to tell you about this because first, I dropped an anvil on you. Mars, Saturn is just a damn anvil. And then Mercury conjunction to Neptune. Ugh, it's a whole other thing. It's a very different energy. Mercury is your mind and Neptune is anxiety. Mercury is friendship. It's platonic relationships. It's communication. And Neptune is the scrambler. It's kind of the most opposite energy to Mars in that Neptune is egolessness. It's we are all one. It's the concept that we are all one. So on the positive, Mercury conjunction to Neptune in the sign of Pisces can be a time where you experience greater empathy, where there's some sort of a movement either in your immediate world or from within you or even in society to taking greater care of each other, seeing our interconnectedness in this pandemic and all the consequences of it. And we have greater empathy and connection with each other as a result. That's the positive. Another positive could be that it increases your sensitivity, your relationship and connection to spirit or God, however you hold it. It can incline you to be more motivated to connect with the divine, to be creative, and basically get outside of yourself and consider the whole. That's the positive. Now, the downside, unfortunately, is very common under this transit. It's that we can feel really anxious and worried and acutely aware of what we don't know and what we can't control. And this transit can make you feel just like you're kind of falling apart. Now, I'm not saying this to frighten you. If you know it's coming, then you can make sure that on this day, you take every effort to not indulge your like comfort eating if that doesn't make you feel mentally fit. What you want to do is think about like, well, what, what are my, my brain power foods? Like, what are the foods that I eat that actually support my mental health? And this isn't, you know, rocket science. It's just like, maybe today's not your day for SpaghettiOs because SpaghettiOs makes you feel awful, <laughs> right? You know, it's just like real common sense thinking. Another thing you can do is make sure that you are connecting with your network of people that day. You have video chats scheduled. You are texting with people from, you know, from bed if that's what you need to be doing or watching comedy instead of apocalypse movies. Support your mental health, even if it's from the fetal position with a streaming movie on your lap, right? I don't know. You don't really have a lap in the fetal position, but you know what I'm saying. This is not a great day for clarity or analysis. This is a great day for understanding the nature of your mind and how you relate to anxiety and uncertainty, which there is an abundance of these days. As much as possible, I urge you to do breath work or meditate around this date. This transit favors both of those things. If you're not super inclined to do either of those things, that's fine. Maybe you're just going to listen to music that you find deeply meditative and relaxing. This is just not the week to do impulsive things that put you at greater risk. And when I say put you at greater risk, I am talking about COVID-19. I am talking about do not expose yourself unnecessarily. But I'm also talking about don't pick fights with people just because you're in a mood. You need your people right now. Don't spend money that you know you can't spend right now 
just stay grounded and protective of yourself if you can, my loves, if you can. Now, I'm going to jump into the last transit of the week, and it's a biggie. I'm not going to lie to you. What we're about to look at is Jupiter conjunction to Pluto in the sign of Capricorn. That'll be happening on April 4th, but it's also going to reoccur on June 30th and November 12th. Some pretty important dates. So whenever we have transits between outer planets, there's a couple things you want to know. If it is hitting your birth chart by degree, and in this particular case, this particular conjunction is happening at 24 degrees of Capricorn, just the end of 24 degrees of Capricorn. So if you have anything, 23, 24, 25, early 26 degrees of a cardinal sign, you really want to watch out. And cardinal signs are Capricorn, Cancer, Libra, and Aries. And also if you have anything in an Earth sign, and that's Virgo, Capricorn, or Taurus, at those degrees, you also want to pay attention. Ditto for water signs. That's Pisces, Cancer, or Scorpio. The water signs and the earth signs are lovely transits, but they're going to impact you. If you've got something at any of these degrees, you're going to feel this really personally. That said, outer planets, when they form a transit to each other, what we're really looking at is we are looking at societal shifts. And when we look at societal shifts, they don't happen all at once. Of course they don't. They happen over time. And so we feel the impact or the effects of these transits, these outer planet transits when they're hitting each other, building up over the course of time, the transit occurs and something meaningful happens. Now that something meaningful can be really obvious it really material. It can happen behind closed doors. So we as a culture or society don't really know. And it takes a long time to unpack from there. Now, sometimes, again, it's really obvious what the consequences are going to be. And other times, it's it's a lot less obvious, right? So you just want to keep that in mind. With the outer planet stuff, you know, you can read things or hear me or other astrologers talk about things that sound really pressing. And it is pressing astrologically. But on a societal level, things take time. You know, let's say we look at some sort of a law being enacted or a bill being passed. You know, it doesn't change your life right away right? It takes time. It takes time to enact that bill and to see the consequences. So that's one thing to consider. Now, Jupiter conjunction to Pluto is what some people may characterize as no fucking joke. From an astrological standpoint, Pluto is the confrontation with death. We are all confronted with the fear of it, the sense of being fully out of control. It is a really deep primal thing that Pluto brings us. And Jupiter is all about spread. Jupiter is all about growth. It's all about expansion. And so when we see Pluto and Jupiter meeting, it can be the expansion and growth of a Plutonian theme, which is scary because Pluto confronts us with taboo things, with terror, with fear. And it doesn't just confront us with those feelings. Pluto is very compulsive in nature. So it tends to have us compulsively washing our hands, compulsively checking the news, compulsively thinking about what could happen if it happens. What does that cough mean? What does that sniffle mean? There are lots of things that can happen around this influence. The potential for greater social and global unity is there with this transit. This transit has already brought us together more than we would have expected because this disease, it's not partisan. There's nothing that rich people, famous people can do to protect themselves from it more than poor people or regular Jills and Janes and Joes and Schmoes can do. 
right? It's very democratic in that regard. There is a way that pandemics make us connect. We have we we are more reliant on each other. Now that said, Jupiter and Pluto can also expand selfishness. It can also denote hoarding. It really can also exaggerate or point out class imbalances, less on a one-on-one and more on a societal level. What we have under this conjunction is the potential for sweeping and expansive social change. And because this transit will reoccur two more times in 2020, including in November near the American election, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Now, if you're asking me, we will have a revolution politically one way or another. There's no more business as usual. Like, that is a thing of the past. And I hope that doesn't frighten you. I mean, it is a little scary, but it also has within it the potential for the kind of social revolution we need so that our government and our society takes better care of all of us instead of just a very specific demographic. I don't need to point them out. They know who they are. You know who you are. And there's no shame in uh, privilege. There's no shame in privilege. I am not here to shame anyone for their privilege. And there's lots of different kinds of privilege, of course. But being able and willing to own your privilege and even to leverage it for the advancement of other people, to really commit to not being so attached to your scarcity that you ignore your privilege, because we all have some privilege. There's very few amongst us that have no privilege. Being able to leverage it to better understand the plight of others, to have greater empathy for others, but also to demand that we all advance together. This is a huge potential of this Jupiter-Pluto. Jupiter-Pluto will bring great economic advancements for some and devastating losses for others, and we're already seeing that, aren't we? Jupiter conjunction to Pluto will bring about really big, transformative changes to the fabric of society. No big deal. Again, it's already happening, right? It's already happening. So how will you participate in the changes? Digging in your heels for business as usual, going back to normal. It's unrealistic, my loves. It's not where we're at anymore. So whose revolution are you going to get behind? What revolution do you want to be a part of? What are you going to stand up for? Who are you going to stand for? These are really important questions to be asking of yourself and not just as a philosophical concept, but also in terms of how you participate in the system as it is. And this includes the upcoming election here in the U.S. This is a really powerful time. It is change or be changed. And so what you want to really look at is how are you using your agency? How are you activating your agency? How has this period activated you? And how has it actually just terrified you and inclined you to step back into addictive, compulsive behaviors. Because I do believe that so many of us are getting reacquainted with our addictions. We're getting reacquainted with our compulsions because the core motivation of addiction is fear. It's not wanting to feel the feelings that you're feeling. And so getting lit or loaded as a way to feel something different. And nobody fucking wants to feel what we're feeling now. It's a scary time. And so what I want to really ground you into is this is a great time to consciously engage with your addictions. It's a great time to consciously engage with the world around you because you are an agent of change. Each and every one of us is an agent of change. Each and every one of us is here for a reason. 
And I don't know what your reason is. It doesn't need to be in public. You know, you don't have to don a cape and do something dramatic. We all have a role to play. What's your role? How do you choose to participate? Find your ways. The fourth is a great day to pursue education, to educate yourself. I want to encourage you to get really grounded into sourcing. And it's something I talked about in the 2020 Year Ahead horoscope. I want to reiterate it here. This is not a time to just read news and share it out of a sense of panic. You want to check your source. You want to make sure that you can find it in multiple sources. Facts and feelings are different things. Your psychology, your innermost world is deeply important and real. No one can take that from you. But facts are facts and they don't always line up with feelings. This is happening. We are in a time of great change. And when Jupiter is involved, it's sweeping. And when Pluto is involved, it's transformative. It's deep and it's intense. Pluto is kind of the destroyer and the creator. What do we want to destroy? What do we want to create? In regards to health and human welfare, I want to encourage you to prioritize your mental and your spiritual and your emotional health in tandem with your physical health not one at the expense of the other. I want to encourage you to be a participant in society, be a friend, be a community member, be a neighbor, be considerate. Being generous is not just good for the receiver of your generosity. It is good for your fucking soul. So my loves, these are some unsettling times. Take all the precautions you need to take care of yourself and your community. We get through this together. I'll talk to you again on Wednesday. I love you. Bye. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here.